Your company's future success demands agile, flexible, and resilient operations. I'm your host, Christian Johnson, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations, a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. The term digital twin is becoming a lot more common in the business press, but it's also a bit of a buzzword that often lacks a clear definition. And without that clarity, knowing where and how to use a digital twin, and even more important, capture the potential value, is challenging to say the least. To help us get under the skin of what a digital twin is and isn't, and understand how we could help companies across the value chain, I'm delighted to be joined today by two experts in the field, McKinsey Partners Anna Hart, based in our Munich office, and Kimberly Borden in Chicago, who are leaders working with clients to understand the potential and application of digital twins. Kimberly and Anna, thank you for joining us today. Okay, Anna, let's start with trying to understand a bit more about our subject today. A nice, easy question to kick us off. So, what is digital twin? Wow, Christian, that's indeed a very good question. And uh, let me try to give you an easy enough answer. Um, a digital twin is actually a digital representation of a physical object. Um, and we always look at it in its environment, right? And it's important that you basically link it with the real data sources from the environment and be, are able to basically update it in real time. And Kimberly, can you say a little bit about the types of digital twins available? There are common archetypes of digital twins. For example, there's a product twin, which is a representation of the product. There is a production plant twin, which could be a representation of the entire manufacturing facility. And there is a procurement and supply chain twin, often called a network twin. Finally, there's sometimes an infrastructure twin. For a product twin, this can encompass various parts of the product lifecycle, all the way from the initial concept design and engineering through to services, meaning that as the product is functioning in service, you are getting live real-time data on it. An everyday example would be Google Maps, which is a digital twin of the Earth's surface. It then links real-time data on traffic to optimize your driving routes. That's a very simplistic version of a digital twin. Okay, so as I mentioned in the introduction, digital twin is becoming a pretty commonly used term and a bit of a buzzword as well. So can you also define what a digital twin isn't? What doesn't meet the standard? You're exactly right, Christian. People use the term very loosely today. For example, some people would call a digital twin a simple simulation or CAD drawing. That is not actually accurate. A true twin often encompasses multiple physical models and is processing real-time data live. Good. So it sounds like it's at a greater level of precision and accuracy involving multiple models. And then the link to real-time data seems really important. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly right. The reality is a true digital twin would also function throughout the product lifecycle, meaning all the way from the design all the way into service. Got it. Okay, so it's much more integrated across the value chain, it sounds like. That's correct. Got it. And now that we know what's in scope of our discussions today, can you say a little bit about the value that companies can get 
uh, that organizations can get from digital twins. So what can they do for us? So there is a tremendous amount of value a digital twin can bring. One of the biggest areas of value is increasing the time to market for development. It allows for rapid iterations and optimizations of product designs far faster than physically testing every single prototype. Further, it often results in tremendous improvements in product quality, as you can imagine. These can either be through the manufacturing process, meaning that after you simulate the product in manufacturing, it allows you to see where there are flaws in the design in order to better manufacture it. Further, in service, you can actually see how the design may not be functioning appropriately, and therefore you can redesign it real time. Finally, we've also seen increases in revenue as much as 10% by developing customer twins that allow the customer to fully interact and immerse themselves within the product. Daimler, for example, has done that very nicely to allow customers to test drive the vehicle ahead of ever getting in a car. Great. And Kimberly's just talked about the results that we can get from digital twins, the increased speed to market, improvements in product quality, increases in revenue. How can those results translate into other major business concerns, such as environmental sustainability, for example? That's indeed a very good question. And obviously, sustainability is one of the topics that we discuss a lot these days. And indeed, a digital twin can be extremely helpful, especially a product digital twin or a twin that you use basically in your product development process. It can either help you to reduce the material of your design, so overall material consumption, or you can basically sort of improve the traceability of an of the project that basically reduces quality issues and ultimately also sort of reduces waste for an our environment, right? And that is something how consumer electronics um, manufacturers have actually have made significant improvements, right? And they reduce scrap by roughly 20%. So there's plainly a lot of value available, both for companies and for their customers. But as with so many things, the challenge is where to start. What are the necessary conditions for implementing a digital twin? I think one of the key elements that you need to have in place is sort of digital maturity, right? You need to be able to have the supporting data infrastructure such as PLM, um, PDM, access to high quality data from sort of either testing and from the real data environment, um, either in manufacturing or in service. You will also need a suitable use case. Generally, uh, complex or dynamic environments that benefit from real-time optimization are good candidates for an initial use case. That said, there are companies um, even twinning simple products in order to get real-time customer feedback. For example, even simple things such as toothbrushes or everyday products that people use. Interesting. Now, one of the things that we've spoken about in earlier podcasts, and there's a lot of coverage in the press as well, is the skills shortage, and in particular, digital skills shortage. So, you know, you're trying to put this together as a company. What are the skill sets that you're going to need to have in place in order to implement a digital twin? One of the key things you need in place is a strong data infrastructure 
Therefore, because of that, you will need data engineering and data science resources in order to support that data infrastructure and put the twin together. Further, you will need to have physical modeling capabilities to model the product or the facility that you're trying to twin. And finally, in complex situations, you will need advanced simulation and analytics skills in order to speed the compute power. As you can imagine, if you are trying to twin a fighter jet, for example, that takes a tremendous amount more compute power than twinning a toothbrush. Overall, a higher level of digital maturity will make it easier for implementation. So with that in mind, apart from the necessary skills, or rather the lack thereof that we've just talked about, for successful implementation, what are other barriers to getting started with digital twins? So indeed, I mean, when we talk to companies, one of the highest ones is indeed sort of the skills. But another one is clearly like the large upfront investment um, that is required before you really can get sort of the, to the full value. And then basically the lack of accessibility to the high quality data that you would actually require. In addition, it will often require linking multiple data sources, which takes time and some of those highly skilled resources we were talking about earlier. And then I think many, many companies struggle actually to identify where to start, which is the most relevant use case to start with. And we typically, you know, try to pick one that is not too complex and actually build out the entire sort of digital twin framework from there. That's great. Thank you. So to wrap up our conversation today, can we give our listeners some practical advice? What would you say to someone who wanted to get started in working with digital twins? thing that is very important to get started is really to understand your starting position, right? Conduct something like a digital maturity assessment to understand your current strengths and weaknesses, um, whether you are sort of really available to start from where you are or what is basically the infrastructure that you need to uh, build. And then, as I said before, right, let's start with a small MVP, learn from it and grow it from there. In addition, it will be important to have a clearly defined business case that is very obviously tied to value. Make that use case highly specific as you start out. Further, it's very important to consider the digital twin with respect to your broader digital strategy, considering where it fits in, how we can best use this capability to be a competitive advantage in the marketplace. As an example, if you are able through the twin to provide better product quality ahead of the competition or faster than the competition, that is a true competitive advantage and a great candidate for leveraging the digital twin capabilities. Thank you. Thank you again, Kimberly and Anna. Really valuable advice about taking a holistic view and making it part of your wider strategy. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Christian. We've talked a lot today about definitions and basic requirements for digital twin implementation, but it's clear that there's a lot more to be said about digital twins and their uses. We'll be exploring that more in future episodes. Lots more to say. Thank you, Kim and Anna, for your time today. You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations with me, Christian Johnson. 
If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen.